The Morning Sports Desk, available on demand on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, and WadenaRadio.com. It is the Morning Sports Desk for Thursday, January 11th. My name is CJ Baumgartner, Corey Tackman, my co-host on this Morning Sports Desk podcast. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, as well as WadenaRadio.com. Corey, decent amount of stuff we have to talk about today. Let's dive right in to high school girls basketball Park Region Conference matchup up in Sabika. Yep, Park Region Conference, Girls Hoops, the Sabika Trojans will host the Pillager Huskies. Trojans, the home team tonight, they are 3-8 and overall. Uh, They will play come tournament time in Section 5A. They're 2-3 and in section play on the regular season so far and still looking for their first Park Region Conference victory. They're 0-5, and we'll go through the Park Region Conference standings here in in just a second. Some other details, uh, 1-4 and on their home court this year are the Trojans, 2-4 and away from home. They've not played a neutral site game. QRF rating 29.4. They're 91st in Class A uh, girls basketball. Uh, the Trojans have lost four straight games, CJ, uh, to four pretty nice basketball teams. Uh, going back to December 21st, a loss to Walker Hackensack Akeley, just a three-point ball game. Uh, a loss 57-51 to 51 to Bertha Hewitt, and we know how senior-laden heavy that Bertha Hewitt team is. A 68-35 to 35 loss to Monaga, who we found out this week is quite good. And Pelican Rapids, historically pretty good, 63-36 to 36 loss there. Their last win came back on December 19th, a 66-45 victory over Hill City Northland. So, looking for their first Park Region Conference victory uh, of the season and looking to break a four-game losing streak. Pillager Huskies on the road tonight are 2-8 and eight overall. They represent Section 7AA and the Park Region Conference. 1-2 and two in section play, 1-4 in conference play. They're 1-5 and five on their home court, 1-3 and three away from home. Their QRF rating is 23.6. They're ranked 113th in the class. It is two, four, six, seven losses in a row for the Pillager Huskies um, that dating back to December 8th. Losses to Henning, Pine River Bacchus, Verndale, Staples, Motley, Crosby, Ironton, Wadena, Deer Creek, and most recently, New York Mills. Their last win, Tuesday, December 5th, a nice 62-59 to victory over Bertha Hewitt. Both teams obviously out of the Park Region Conference. Monaga, the top team in the PRC. They're 6-0 over uh, in-conference play, 9-1 overall. Uh, the Braves averaging over 62 points a game and giving up just 39 points a game. Uh, then it's Verndale at 5-1. Wadena Deer Creek at 4-2. Uh, New York Mills three and two, Henning two and four, Bertha Hewitt and Pillager each at one and four, and then Sabika 0 and five. Very quickly, the Sabika Trojans are averaging 50 and a half points a game and giving up 58 and a half points per game. Pillager averaging 44.8 points per game and giving up 61.9 points per game. So, 
Uh, that's what's at stake tonight. Trojans looking for their first uh, conference victory. Each team looking to break up a pretty long losing streak. And I guess you would say in this instance, why not us? Why not now? That's on the Superstation tonight, 7.15 pregame, 7.30 uh, uh, tip-off. I almost said first serve. 105.9 FM, the Superstation K106 on your Superstation K106 app and at WadenaRadio.com. Well, yeah, and you mentioned it, Corey. You talk about two teams that are, you know, I, I don't want to call it the dog days because, but, you know, when you just have a point in the season where things aren't going right, it feels kind of like it's been forever since you've got your last win. So for both of these teams tonight, they're just trying to get back in the right direction and a good opportunity to do that. So it should be a good one tonight uh, up in Sabika. So we have uh, a couple other state things that we need to talk about. One is in the NBA with the Minnesota Timberwolves. So we talked yesterday about how the travel situation was going to work with them flying up to Boston in the afternoon instead of at night because of like tornadoes in Florida and a giant rain and snow monsoon in Boston or something like that. Um, so we, I, I said right like towards the end of the podcast yesterday, I said don't be surprised if like Mike Conley just doesn't play in the game because you know he doesn't need to prove anything. And Mike Conley didn't, and Rudy Gobert didn't either. He was ruled out with hip soreness. Mike Conley just says rest. Um, but again, I think both of them are kind of like, a, you know what, we don't need to prove anything by having you guys out there tonight. Uh, it's a weird situation, and they'll figure it out. And I fully expected last night watching that game in Boston – best team in the NBA. I don't think the Celtics have lost a home game yet this season, or maybe have only lost one or something like they're, they're outstanding at home. And I fully expected getting halfway through the third quarter and just shutting the game off. Like I'll watch until things get out of hand and then I'm going to, you know, change the channel and kind of move on with my night. No, the Wolves took them to overtime and they ended up losing, but, and we can dive into that late part of the game. Cause I think there are a couple takeaways, but you know, I think number one is a great effort on a game they totally could have just mailed in. You know, we talked about it yesterday. That's one, like, it, it was going to be um, a near impossibility to go into Boston and win with all those extenuating circumstances. The one thing that they had going for them was that the Timberwolves are good and Boston is good and you're going to gear up a little bit to play a good team. And these two teams have played each other very closely so far this year. This was the second meeting, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. The first back in November, the Wolves won it on their home floor, 114 to 109, also an overtime game. So to come back to this one and have have it be a 127 to 120 overtime loss for the Wolves, you know, these two teams, I, I think, have some expectations of, I should say, at least from the Wolves' perspective of, Hey, the next time we see these, this, this could be an, a, an important series, you know? Yeah, exactly. I was I was uh, leaning over to my wife during the game, and I said, you know, honestly, a, a, and I said this with 100% seriousness, maybe like 5% uh, sarcasm, but a Wolves-Celtics finals would be an insane seven-game series. Like, that would be mm -hmm. a fun back-and-forth series to watch at full strength. And, again, the Wolves didn't have Conley. They didn't have Gobert. And, and that happened. But also the Wolves are still talented without those two guys. Ant and Cat uh, are still great. So have Jane McDaniels on defense. You have guys that can do some stuff. And they made it a game late. I know there were some people that got uh, after the game, they're like, well, you know, the Wolves almost proved to me they could be contenders. They only took Boston 
to overtime and had like a five point lead at one point in overtime without two of their five starters. But no, they're not proved to me that they're a real legit finals team yet. They are talent wise, good enough to make the NBA finals. Now, the thing is, is what holds them back. And I've heard, we talked about this last year and it pops up time and time again, like every once in a while this year, Corey, the wolves still are like top five dumbest team in the NBA at times with just with their casual mistakes and with some of the things they do. Jaden McDaniels picked up his sixth foul to follow him out in the first minute of overtime off just a, you know, like in high school when a team gets a rebound and a kid just tries to put their arm in and they don't even know why they're doing it. They just feel like they have to. And you foul the guy and the coach looks at him. And it's like, that's the dumbest foul you could have picked up. Well, Jaden McDaniels did that in an NBA game. And there's a correlation because the moment Jaden McDaniels comes out of the game, Jason Tatum goes off. And that's not a correlation. Like those things are correlated and are causated. And Anthony Edwards did not have a good overtime. We talk about with the hero ball stuff with Ant. And it wasn't so much the hero ball as it was also like draining down the shot clock to 10 seconds and not really having a plan with what to do with the basketball. And Chris Finch talked about it uh, in the end of game situations. He talked about it after the, after the game in his press conference you know, two guys who are good players and the Wolves wouldn't have been in that game without them, but also they didn't, they fell apart late was Jaden McDaniels and Anthony Edwards was something like that. They have um, offensively, which is interesting because for the past couple of years, offensively speaking, this team has been kind of uh, dominant. They've scored a ton of points, but offensively they have some major, major kinks they need to work out whatever it is I don't I don't know what it is um, if there's a learning curve of uh, everybody coming to the understanding that it needs to be Ant's team you know Carl is a really good scorer um, he's not touching the ball as often so he's become I, I think super efficient but we all get that it needs to be Ant's team Ant needs to learn how to not just get buckets for himself, but be a playmaker for other people. So there's some major quirks that need to be sorted out offensively speaking. Defensively, they're, uh, they've shown that they're going to be probably fine. Uh, going back to your, your very first 5% sarcastic line about could these teams play in the finals, I, th- I absolutely think that is in play. Also, what's interesting is the size of these two teams. Small ball is not really a thing. It's kind of shifted. Amongst the best teams. I mean, and, and it has been and for a while, but Denver is not small. Boston is not small. Um, Joel Embiid's not a small guy. The Timberwolves right. are not small. The Lakers are not small. I know the Lakers are a mess, but you just always kind of assume they're going to be in it. The Clippers and you – you know, Paul George and, and Kawhi and, and those guys, Russ Harden, they're, they're like, they're big guards. So it's kind of interesting Their Teams might run out a lot of guards, but they're not, they're not small little guards. Luca, not a small guy. It's just kind of fascinating to see um, uh, that sort of shift. And also interesting to see that like the Timberwolves are kind of on the forefront of that. Right. They were leading the charge with that because when the Wolves traded for Gobert, I always remember listening to an interview with John Krasinski of The Athletic who covers the Timberwolves. And he said, you know, the Wolves are kind of zigging when everyone else is zagging right now going big. But 
then all of a sudden, you know, in a, in 15 months, we're talking about things being completely different. Uh, the Timberwolves makeup is different in that they have, they're big because they have lots of bigs, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Boston is big because their guards are big. Yeah, it, it, so it's a little different construction, but generally speaking, um, size <laughs> size kings right now. <laughs> uh, so moving on to the Minnesota Vikings, their season has come to a close. There's some big uh, head coaching changes around the NFL. Bill Belichick is out. That news dropped at like three in the morning. Um, yeah. Pete Carroll yesterday. Uh, told he's not going to be coming back as the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, right. Mike Vrabel, the head coach, probably one of the more better, younger head coaches in the league, told he's not going to be head coaching Tennessee next year. So there's three massive changes in the head coaching sphere. The Bears are keeping their head coach and Matt Eberflus, but getting a new offensive coordinator for like the fourth straight year, it feels like. So there's a lot of coaching turnover in the NFL. Nick Saban in college just announced on a random Wednesday that he's just going to be done. Uh, so, I mean, there, there's a lot of shakeup in the NFL right now. And we kind of talk about this with sometimes there's some new leadership in place, like in Tennessee, they had a new GM, but they kept Vrabel as head coach. And you could just kind of tell that if things, if they didn't make a playoff run this year, that he probably wasn't going to come back despite him being a well-liked head coach and a well-respected head coach, because a guy wants to have his mark. And we talked about it before we started recording, Corey, that the Vikings under Kwesi Adolfo Mensa and Kevin O'Connell, yeah, they re-signed Kirk Cousins when they first got there, but I think we all know that that quarterback class in 2022 was just not good. So now that they have a better quarterback class, they didn't re-sign Kirk Cousins last year, you would think maybe the Vikings are working on that successor, but... Quasi Adolfo Mensa said yesterday in his press conference, him and Kevin O'Connell to like an end of season recon. And he flat out said, yeah, we'd like to have Kirk Cousins back on the football team next year. What do you make of that? Well, we talked about it in our eulogy on, on Monday or Tuesday, whenever it was that we, we did our, our Vikings wrap for the season. There's a lot of weird things that happened for the Vikings this year. Um, most notably turnovers and, injuries were kind of the two big you know beacons of despair for the for the Vikings this year uh, despite all of those things I think it seems fair to say if Kirk Cousins is on your roster all season long you're in the playoffs this weekend so to go out and, right. and be able they won too many games to make a real push at some of this quarterback class stuff um they're going to draft in a spot where they still might be able to take a quarterback and allow a cousins to be the trainer, you know, like Michigan kid, um, Washington kid, uh, guys like that. They're, they're going to be available probably in that 12 ish spot where the Vikings around where the Vikings are going to pick. So the, the quarterback of the future might still be a part of the plan. It's just not someone you're willing to, you know, dad's not willing to dust off the, the nice Porsche for the kid to take to prom quite yet. Yeah. And there's an interesting discussion that I think is for another podcast, just because of uh, where we're at right now, timing wise, but there's a good discussion of if you get a quarter, if you're going to sign Kirk cousins, do you draft a quarterback earlier? Do you trade up for one, especially, and that's a, that's a conversation for another day, but 
Kwesi Adolfo Mensa, here's uh, the quote from Kevin Seifert of ESPN. He says, I think I've been pretty consistent with that. I thought we were playing pretty good football before he got injured. It's the most important position in sports. And, you know, like that's fair. Here's the second part of that quote where I think things get a little bit more interesting. He says, now, ultimately, it always comes down to, can you find an agreement that works for all sides and all those things? But as a player, it's certainly my intention to have him back. So uh, when you look at that last part, it's certainly my intention to have him back. There's a lot of people that are going to glom on to just that sentence. And I think we need to kind of take a step back and look at the full quote. And especially that second half of the quote, when he says, it always comes down to, can you find an agreement that works for all sides? According to a report a year ago, Kirk Cousins team friendly discount was going to be, I don't want as much money as Daniel Jones has because he got that massive contract. I'll take less than Daniel Jones, but I want it fully guaranteed, which has been Kirk Cousins staple since he's been a Viking is having a fully guaranteed contract. Respect it. But that's going to be the thing. When they hear Kirk Cousins said a couple days ago, he's willing to take a hometown discount. That doesn't mean he's playing for $5 million. He was going to get paid. He's just maybe not going to get paid $40 million. And maybe that's enough to make the Vikings keep him. I don't know. But I don't know. I think that there's a little bit more, there's a little bit more meat on that bone than just, well, I guess Kirk Cousins is just coming back. Yeah, I, th- I think it's fair. And I don't think they're lying when Quasi says, I want Kirk Cousins back. Right. I don't think Kirk is lying when he says he'd like to come back. I think both of those things can be true. And also what can be true is Kirk has a number and the Vikings have a number. And if they can't agree on a number in between those things, he's not going to be the quarterback. Kirk Cousins, there's a lot of things to his storied career, uh, to the story of his career. It's not maybe the first chapter on his career, but chapter number two on this book is how patient and diligent he was in getting that fully guaranteed contract with the Vikings the first time. He set a brand new tone for the entire league and quarterbacks in particular about getting paid in the NFL. If you are the trendsetter, you're not just going to abandon that. Right, exactly. And Look, I'm not saying I don't want Kirk Cousins to come back. I'm not saying I do want him to come back. I want to see how this plays out because the Vikings, they're a little bit more free in the salary cap game. But again, they freed themselves up, not just for Kirk Cousins. They freed themselves up because they got to re-sign Justin Jefferson. And they got to potentially re-sign Neil Hunter. And they have a couple, They potentially got to re-sign Christian Derrissaw. So there's some things that are coming up down the pipe that they got to prepare for as well. The Vikings, I think upon last check, have maybe like $37 million dollars in free cap for free agency, but that's not all going to be going towards free agents. That's going to go towards keeping some of your own players in house. So there's going to be a lot to finagle with the salary cap game. It's going to be a fascinating off season and one that will set the tone for the franchise for the next five years. You talked about JJ. Um, JJ is going to help a lesser quarterback, right? You talked about Derrissaw. Derrissaw is going to help a lesser quarterback. There is a reason why Cleveland for a decade and a half kept re-signing Joe Thomas Mm -hmm. because they could never figure out the quarterback spot, but at least they knew they were going to give that quarterback a decent chance as far as protection goes. Is that, you know, I don't know that you Mm want to be comparing your favorite franchise to Cleveland of decades. (laughs) I don't know if that's the comparison (laughs) we're looking for, but having a guy like Derrissaw, 
compared to an aging Kirk Cousins who's coming off of significant uh, leg injury, who's more important to you? Exactly. And again, this is this is like we could spend a whole podcast talking about this and Vikings Twitter, Vikings Facebook set ablaze. There's it's going to be a very intriguing offseason. We have a whole lot of meat left on this bone that uh, we don't want to waste all in one episode. Corey, there's one last Vikings note uh, that I want to talk about before we wrap up the morning sports desk today. And that yep. is that the Minnesota Vikings are going to be playing in London. So all that money that was spent on U.S. Bank Stadium, the Vikings lose a home game this year. And they're going to be going to London, um, opponent to be determined. Um, but the Vikings, along with a couple other different teams, are going to London. I, I can't remember which team. Maybe the Dolphins are going to Germany to play that game. And let me put it to you this way. The London games are a cool novelty. It's really cool. Uh, but when your favorite team has to play in it, you are not about it at all. No, I think you're... Um... Uh, I disagree. I, I think it's not a cool novelty. I think it's a trinket store on a highway on a road trip that you just have to go to the bathroom somewhere. So you like, let's pull over into this gem store and see if I can find an agate. You well, know what I mean? Just catching strays here. Exactly. Um, I, I don't like the novelty of it. I never really have. I also don't like Thursday night football. Um, it's cool for their fans. There are some real fans, especially in Germany. There are some real major NFL fans in that country. Um, yeah, it stinks. It stinks when you now, hopefully because it's, there's an odd number of, of, of weeks. games now yeah. uh, and weeks that at least you're still getting an even number now of home games to road games when you lose one. So that is, I guess a little bit of a benefit, but it stinks to lose a home game just to go to old blighty. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, I mean, and they again, also have a third place schedule, so they're not going to play anybody great, which is helpful. Helpful. Uh, and the thing about the London games are, is they've kind of they've realized with the time zones, why don't we have a game on at like, you know, ten in the morning as people are waking up nine in the morning, which again, cool novelty. But there's like five of those a year where you're like, oh, again, like make it like a once a year thing, because right. also, now I I'm not a big fantasy football guy. So it, it's very infuriating for me when I'm like, oh, I'll check my lineups every day at 11. And I realize that two of my players have already started that I wanted to bench are now, or a guy I forgot to play again because his bye was the week before. All of a sudden he's on my bench. Like, again, it's a cool idea, but I think they've just overindulged in that well a little bit too much with that. So anyway. Yeah, I hate it. Plus, how am I supposed to go, uh, you know, confess my sins to the Lord if I have a football game, I'm supposed to wake up for it at 6 a.m. or whatever. Like, it's it's stupid. I don't like it at all. Right, exactly. It's like, honey, get in the car. We're going to go to church. It's like, no, 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 not right now. Kirk Cousins is a big third and eight right here. I have literally never watched a Europe game. None. Ever. I've, I've watched zero of them in my entire life. Even when the Vikings were in, because they've been in a couple now. Haven't seen them. Interesting. So how I got things to do on a Sunday morning, places to be people to see. I was going to say, are you just in bed? Sometimes I'm sleeping. <laughs> you wake I, up and you're I, like, wait, it's halftime. Yeah. I've never, I, I, uh, no, no. Ah, uh, yeah. Dusseldorf. They love their football. Bottle say bottle of water in a British accent. <laughs> you ever seen those memes or it's just like, it's like a, 
<laughs> yeah, it's like a B followed by like a bajillion O's and like four apostrophes put in between them. Yeah, ba'o o wa'o. I have a terrible English accent. I cannot do it, so it can only be offensive. So let's try it again. Ba'o o wa'o. Ba'o wa'o. This has been the Morning Sports Desk for Thursday, January 11th. The Morning Sports Desk, available on demand on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, and wadinaradio.com.